0: Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frader RC. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Record. Toby, Fratter TP, welcome to Magic Without Fears, the Hermetic Podcast. Extraordinaire, obviously. Um, I, uh, I couldn't uh, imagine who to interview after Damien Eccles and I finally found you. (laughs) Um, So it's, uh, I think it's nothing wrong with going from someone with uh, probably the largest presence in the uh, occult world. So, so large, it's bleeding into the popular world, right? He's a mainstream figure uh, who's also an occultist, which is not something we've had for a very long time, I think you'd agree. But. We're just going to talk about the tarot. That's the idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Let's talk about the tarot. So what's your, what's your story? Well, get into it and all that.
1: Well, um, well, I had, I had an existential crisis basically a few years ago, Uh, dropped out of university and moved back to my home and then Um, my mom had some angel cards so I was reading the angel cards for a few months I was reading them every day Um, and I started using spreads with the angel cards I actually used Celtic cross spread with the angel cards and then I picked up a deck of a deck of tarot and and within a few months I started uh, selling readings professionally I was and I was getting into hermeticism, basically after my existential crisis as well. So, I've been studying hermeticism and stuff since since that time, since I started tarot. Basically,
0: are you a fan of the the famous meditations on the tarot then?
1: no i i haven't really read any tarot books i got i got into it through through social media youtube like the kind of new age tarot community really like very new agey
0: yeah yeah well that was that was definitely my experience uh i think i was yeah 10 um and it was the 90s right so it was it was really becoming popular and yeah my, my mom got me a deck for Christmas of, uh, of the Egyptian tarot. Yeah, and uh, when I was 12, I couldn't get a really... I, I did babysitting, but I couldn't get a job job because I was a bit too goth looking, you know? Like, they just weren't hiring a chubby, black, long-haired, long-black-haired kid to work at Starbucks back then or, or anything like that, you know? People would tell, like Subway, you know? They would tell me straight up, like, we wouldn't ever hire someone who looks like you. They were very blunt about it um and so i started doing tarot readings myself i found that that i think people thought it was sort of adorable that someone that young was doing it and that's why they humored me occasionally were shocked when i gave them the bill <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your favorite deck and and uh yeah tell me more about jumping into it and and starting giving readings and all that
1: Yo, I use the of right Waite now, um, but but I did, I really liked the Long Milu Ducats uh, Tower of Ceremonial Magic for a while. That's a 1999 deck. It went out of print last year. We can still oh, get it from Etsy.
0: It went out of print a long time ago, yeah.
1: No, of- I got it. I got it like two years ago from, from U.S. Games website. It went out of print last year
0: so originally it went out of print a long time ago like so five years ago you couldn't get it uh I saw a copy at my buddy's house they were selling for hundreds of dollars and then they they re-released them and uh like they're for sale now like I just got one just a few months ago from
1: yeah uh, so they, they must keep putting it back into print then every few years
0: yeah I thought they'd only put it back into print once but maybe it's been put back into print more than once yeah it, it's it's a really cool deck and Obviously, the fact that he took the time to make it himself and put his own experience and insights into it, I think makes it really special.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do not use it anymore, because some of the symbolism is a little bit kind of, um, I don't know, I just, I, I do not really use that kind of symbol, symbolism anymore. I'm gonna be making my own deck, but I need to hire an artist. I don't have the money. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a <clears throat> that's a, probably the reason a lot of us don't make our own decks is just the the cost to work with an artist is no small thing. But there's a lot of websites out there apparently now where you can just make your own deck relatively easily. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, because uh, I find I find the symbolism is a good. know if you're concentrating on it it, it's good way of um getting into spiritual states or whatever so i don't find the kind of thalamic theme to be so conducive to to spiritual states it's more like astral level and it works but
0: Did you accidentally press your dog dog barking sound effect button?
1: Oh yeah, uh that, that's my dog. Um yeah, my, I think my parents are home, so uh I'll be back in one second.
0: Right. We're back.
1: Okay, so so yeah, I prefer kind of non thelemic symbolism these days, so. So
0: yeah, Thelemic, uh, the Thelemic reversal of the star and, um, what's it called, the emperor? No, it's the emperor? Yeah, yeah, it's emperor, right. Um, hey, or damn, I don't even know this Thelemic symbolism, but yeah, it doesn't work for me either. I'm, I, I imagine it is only meant to work for thelemites. <laughs>
1: yeah um so so yeah um i I just use the right of weight these days, and it still has plenty of deep symbolism um you know josephine McCarthy um did her research and and then you know published a book like mid twenty twenty called terror skills for the twenty first century right I don't know if you've seen that.
0: Yeah, I'm aware of it.
1: Yeah, so she went to like the primary sources or whatever and and you know from the British Museum and um found a lot of symbolism from it and gave some of it in the book. So that was pretty interesting. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um More work does need to be done to the Rider-Waite, especially um, with the uh, new revelation that it was drawn from the Welsh Grail myth and much more influenced by Yeats than Waite.
1: Yeah, you'll know more about that than me, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I'm very curious what the primary sources Josephine McCarthy might be drawing from. It might be a book I have to read at some point. I find her her works hit or miss for me, though I can imagine that it's good for a lot of people. Yeah. um... How do you feel like, for example, I don't like what rubbed me the wrong way, really, was on a Glitch Bottle interview, she scoffed at the idea that you should let someone else ever handle your tarot cards whereas there's a lot of tarot teachers and masters who will have you get the person you're doing a reading for to shuffle the deck and she says it's it's absurd to ever let someone shuffle your deck or touch your cards at all and my problem with that is that it's not just that she thinks her way is the better way to do it but she's convinced that other ways are wrong and for me I always find that a problematic quality in a teacher What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, handling the tarot deck. Um, yeah, McCarthy is very kind of earth magic, you know. Um, she's very earthy in everything she does, she's very astral in everything she does. So, you know, when she's describing, are there health, any other
0: options than earthy or astral in, in this sort of context?
1: Uh, there's spiritual,
0: okay, fair enough. If,
1: yeah, so well, let's say, say she's it. in, she's in, she's in, you know, um. Oh, oh it's been a long time since i did the capitalistic worlds but like um um yes so she's in um what would it be i'm i'm slow so <laughs> i can't remember what the world yes is. but um
0: it's in uh, yatsura
1: yeah yatsura right but um you know i would when i'm whenever i'm trying to read para, i'm trying to get into bria right Right, because Bria is basically where I've managed to get up to, I don't think I've ever been to actually, right, so just about, yeah. sometimes you can get into Bria and, and and it's a very, well, I don't know what you, you consider, I don't know what you would consider the criteria for getting into Bria to be, but um, what I consider, I consider Bria the start of the spiritual realms, right? And it's a very different experience to the astral and, and stuff. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, McCarthy's very astral. So, when she's describing how stuff works, what I noticed is that she describes basically the effects of what's happening, she describes the phenomena. Hmm. rather than the causes of what's happening so so when she gives her instructions it's very practical but it's practical based on based on the phenomena so it, it kind of it's like uh, i'm trying to think of an example basically it if, if you if you only get taught something by looking at the phenomena you're you you can you can come to certain misunderstandings of, of how stuff works because you don't have the actual causes behind the effects. If that makes sense. So, you know, like like you shouldn't let someone handle your own cards. I'm, I'm getting to the answer, right?
0: Um, oh yeah, no, I'm following you.
1: So so you know you shouldn't let someone handle your own cards you know, if you have the willpower and the control over the astral, and you have control over what you're seeing on the astral, right, if you rise above so that you have control, because the subtle rules are dense, then you're, you're basically, um, it doesn't matter whether someone touches your cards, because you have control over it, you have the willpower, you know, you have the authority kind of thing. So, so I always try to, rise above onto the spiritual if I can uh, in order to attempt at least to have authority so that you can control the experience and everything so I'm very kind of firm so you know I wouldn't let the cards have any kind of personality you know I wouldn't be creating any kind of thought form or anything I'm very kind of usual willpower rise above and then and then control the experience, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a very fair analysis, and and uh, you explained, that would be an adequate explanation for the for the quandary I brought up about what she said. I can uh, you, you the apologetics are sound. It's a, it's a good explanation. I could. If that's, I don't know if that's what she thinks, but your explanation of what might be her reasoning is, is reasonable. Yeah. I've been reading her uh, book on healing. It's right over here. Um, what's it called? Magical healing. Magical healing. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I read, I read a lot of authors that I have different views from because, you know, you're still going to find amazing stuff often in any, uh, experienced person or adepts writing like the insights are you know whatever their theoretical framework is there's usually some some good pearls in there no matter what that you will uh, get insight from or inspiration from or just simply agree with who have, you, who have you been reading these days uh
1: these days um uh i basically have a spiritual teacher, so I'm basically just concentrating on that stuff, not really, uh, not that much other stuff. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fine tune, fine tune my own kind of theories and and kind of take what I've been reading over the past few years, because I read a lot of books over the past few years so
0: I think a lot of us did during <laughs> <the> lockdown <laughs> you know but especially if you didn't have a computer that could play video games then books were about all you could do other than get radicalized online probably
1: <laughs> Yeah so um trying to trying to flesh that stuff out but yeah I mean I read I mean yeah I read McCarthy's book pretty recently um I read backdoor into Hermetics, which is based off um, Franz Barden's system, right, by um, Mark Rasmus. Um, He does a similar thing to McCarthy, where he talks about the phenomena and the effects and um, stuff. So, um, and you can also see, you can also see where he's, where he's on the astral levels, you know, because he's, you know, he's like, he won't, he won't go near nature magic because of how it kind of affects the synchronicity that comes into his life or whatever, right? Um, It's, it's kind of, uh, it shows you kind of, it gives you an idea into the kind of, um, the kind of system that he's using, I guess. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs)
0: Mm. yeah yeah of course he's got the there's the new franz Bardon book out of uh, Prague that's just been released beautiful little hardcover right um that uh i don't know if you're aware of um look forward to checking it out yeah apparently some of his you know lost little writings his pseudopigrapher or something have been translated and are being put out in this beautiful little limited edition hardcover from the people at czech hermetics so that'll be interesting to have some additional Franz barden writings they were such a huge part of my teenage years just like you know i carry even when i went on a seven-day camping trip with my high school class i had initiation to hermetics my little purple hardcover just right there in my 80 pound backpack because i just didn't want to be without it because i was really working through his steps and seeing if i could eventually you know create fire in my hand which i don't know about you but (laughs) years later, I think that maybe that was one of his uh, fantasies, rather than (laughs) no-sees.
1: To be able to create fire? Yeah, I don't
0: think that's uh, physically possible.
1: I mean, I mean, um, there are definitely things which a lot of occultists consider impossible that that i've seen personally or that i've heard from reliable people that that can happen um i'm not sure about creating fire in your hand i know right uh, maybe if you had like it a piece feels of like paper, a bit of a stretch if you had a piece of paper in your hand you could set it on fire
0: so so people have claimed. Um, and you know there's the videos of the guys in India apparently doing pyrokinesis but then you find out that there's these chemical compounds they conceal in the bag and there's a way to fake that even though and make it look real it's it's I was talking about this issue with with uh, my buddy Matt shout out to Matt the other day and in the context of um, autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda Um, and that was a book I also got when I was a kid but just couldn't get into it I just couldn't didn't interest me for some reason um but there's a lot of sort of miracles or wonder workings in that apparently um Mm. i'm just uh checking out the audiobook um now and and what my thoughts are on this this is a really interesting thing to talk about with you and with literally anyone who's into this stuff in my opinion like it's a it's a it's a topic that almost anyone can give their thoughts on then their thoughts are interesting because There is no actual knowledge about it. We don't have any scientific evidence. It's not like we have the first bit of proof and it's now being debated about how it's possible. We don't have the first bit of proof. We have, you know, just anecdotal accounts and witnessed accounts and all of that sort of stuff. It's very much in the same realm as a lot of UFO stuff used to be before the government was like, yeah, something's up there. Um, and we're like looking, everyone apparently is like, you know, filming them like, no shit, right? If it's not us, who is it? <clears throat> but with those sort of extreme forms of of manifested psychism, um, from you know, telekinesis to pyrokinesis, my thinking is we gotta if we like believing that something's possible that we haven't proven is possible is really a healthy thing, you know, because that way people will then pursue the limits of our knowledge to see if it's possible and if it is possible it can be proven and then we can go from there but a lot of these things have not yet hit that initial barrier of proven you know what i mean like proven is in the sense that the data is not uh, not argued or debated by by anyone by, yeah quote well anyone
1: i mean yeah, I mean parapsychology. Um, well, yeah, that's
0: a great example of of this sort of liminal field.
1: Yeah, well, well, a lot a lot of parapsychologists, well, when I was looking into parapsychology, a lot of them believe that they, they take as an assumption that consciousness is in the brain and that it's you know physical or material, you know, and, and they're basically materialists right but they're parapsychologists and you know they uh they were talking about the issues with designing the experiments like you're trying to see whether you can alter the the output of randomness in a computer right computer generated randomness and it's called micro pk right which would be micro psychokinesis Uh, and you're basically trying to alter the probability generated by computers, right? And if it's statistically significant, then technically you can infer it. And, you know, they, so they set this up in a laboratory and their experiment was botched because, of, of, because there was a moot away, like, like, like a mile away. <laughs> And the, the vibrations from the lorries on the Mutaway were affecting the, the results of the experiment because of how they had it set up. So they, they couldn't even design a proper experiment to test the micro PK.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Do you think most of parapsychologists are materialists to act as a buffer against criticism? Or do you think they're really actually materialists, and they're they're just confounded and want to have answers to the questions raised by the data they've they're working from?
1: I mean, I think I think you know, with a lot a lot of people in parapsychology, they they see they see they see the 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 spiritual this. Well, well, really the occult stuff, you know, all the psychic phenomena and everything as basically something that can be a tool for science, something that can simply be taken and you take all of the idea of its sacredness out of it and you just strip it down to how it works mechanically and you basically would just be using it as a tool, right? And, and this is even in in within the, you know, people who believe in who are spiritual, right? When they're in the parapsychological community, they tend to, you know, they go into the archives and and you know the archives which are hard to access, they do their research basically so that they can get this knowledge so that they can teach remote viewing or whatever to people because it's like a tool to them. It's like it's like there's no sacredness in the world really.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the remote viewing thing's a an interesting, interesting one that keeps coming up, especially, uh, you know, the issue of whether governments are still employing, which they most likely are, it seems. Mm. You know, and that's a, that's, a, that's a strange thing because they wouldn't use it and invest resources in it unless it was useful, right? The government never wastes uh, money.
1: Yeah, and Yuri Geller.
0: I, I can't keep a straight face when I say that.
1: Yori <laughs> Geller was, was, you know, hired for intelligence work and and a lot of occultists are also, you know, were in intelligence work. You know, Curly was in intelligence work and, and Joe Gardner, um, you know, as a, a thing against, you know, to to play on the superstition of the German occultists in the Second World War. Right. Do you know about that?
0: Oh, yes. The gentleman spies. I mean, yeah, the governments basically were like, hey, it's harder for us to travel to these countries and gather information, whereas you're just a, a dandy with a lot more money than sense, or, or whatever. So or you have social status or you're just a gentleman, right? That's the idea. You're just a gentleman. You can go there, move in those circles and, and let us know if you hear anything you know, sort of employing your, your civilian population to gather information. I mean, it's definitely not a new trick, I think. And it's definitely a, a, a interesting topic how much people like Crowley and them were interacting with the government. I don't know how much of the details on that we have, though, obviously, I think it's Tobias Churton that has an in-depth study.
1: yeah so um uh back back to tarot Um uh, uh, <laughs> do, do you want to say anything else about tarot
0: um no, no i know i well sure <laughs> yeah um we can move back to tarot uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm i'm here to hear about your sort of journey and your thoughts um on the practice you let's talk about your what you're what you're planning on doing so you've been you had a you had some content out but you've decided you want to make it better so you're going regrouping and working on a a website and what's what's your plan for that I'm sure there's a lot of other um, people uh, who are at similar stages in their development and practice to you out there and asking themselves that the same questions that you're asking yourself so i think that'd be interesting for people to hear
1: yeah well ultimately um you know i told you i came into tarot through through new agey kind of stuff social media um you know that there's been an attempt to to you know force force tarot readers and astrologers and and you know that kind of all the esoteric consultants, let's say, to, you know, they've been forced to, you know, put disclaimers um, saying "entertainment purposes only," and you're technically not allowed legally to, you know, to answer certain questions like pregnancy and health and and missing persons and that kind of thing. But a lot of people ignore this, and there's basically no awareness of. The fact that you can't ask these questions or they can't be answered, and people are setting themselves up as spiritual authorities, um, even though they have their disclaimer, you know, as entertainment purposes only. And there's a lot of contradiction. And and um, I basically think that we really need regulation in the spiritual community. Uh, which I, th- I know people are going to go crazy. <laughs> I'm probably going to be hated, but I honestly think that it, it's it's ridiculous the amount of harm that's being done. Uh, you know, there are channels with 500,000 subscribers blatantly, blatantly using Barnum statements and and just you know marketing psychology uh, and people, you know, most people see it as entertainment but there is a small section of the population who because they're not because this is like a method acting right it's like a method acting like they're not admitting that it's that it's nonsense it's like there's a small group of vulnerable people who are who are sucked into this stuff and you know the algorithm feeds them synchronicity and and so on and, and it causes a lot of harm so law of attraction so, stuff yeah so all of these kind of you know uh, if you take the law of attraction and you and you kind of tweak some of the ideas then you get you get what magic actually works as but if you take the law of attraction as as talked about in the secret or by by all of these self-appointed new ages on YouTube, right? You're, you're not getting how it actually works. You're getting a kind of toxic metaphysical solipsism or, or other like harmful ideas, which, which really need to be, I think they need to be held accountable uh, in some way, uh, in, in a way that obviously still allows for freedom of expression and everything else. Um, but in the meantime, in the meantime, uh, before we get to regulation issues, um, I'm, I'm trying to basically train some people in tarot uh, in a way that is basically teaching them to, to be able to um, control their experience on the astral so that so that they're not sucked into into um into aggregores and energetic currents and patterns you know that you can easily that you can easily kind of be drawn into um, you know basically teach people to um get rid of the superstition that exists in tarot because there's there's loads of superstition uh, still
0: yeah well superstition is a major problem for most of us in this sphere and yeah there's always going to be some people that are just you know incredulous and sucked into the silly side of of, of uh all of this and uh i don't know i don't think regulation's ever going to happen and i don't necessarily think it's gonna It w- even if it did it would be a good thing regulation you know I mean, just look at what, how our governments are treating us. Like, I'm here in Canada. You know, we still have people in jail be, for peaceful protesting, legit people peaceful protesting, just because the government doesn't like what they were saying. You know, so regulation and authoritarianism, and <clears throat> it's a tricky one for spirituality. I mean, you really do sort of want people to go in. We can do a lot more to, to teach people what to look for, um, for sure, but if you're talking about someone's base ability to uh, what's the phrase? how do you say it because you're talking we're t- you're talking about a vulnerable minority of the population that's susceptible, as you said, right And it's hard to you know I, we, we want to speak about these lovely folks in uh, in a fair way, but some onus has to be on on people themselves. For, for what they get into, what they believe. Like when I was young, I, I tended to believe everything the new age told me because it was so popular and it was something I was getting through through family and, and uh, my entire environment was sort of wrapped up in it. And it was, it was impossible at that time, it seemed, to differentiate between what was true and what was not true. It was because the tendency was to believe it all. And if you didn't believe it all, then you couldn't believe any one thing. The idea of that one thing would be truer than another was very problematic in the 90s, new age, because who's, who are you to say, right? But that's a thing. It's still, it's still a thing, and, and training and professionalism can do can do good by training people and, and making them better at what they do and freeing them from superstitious ways of thinking and being overly incredulous but it can also put artificial barriers in uh constraints on on huh it's hard it's a tricky one man it's a really tricky one i mean you just see you just see the especially since the occult already so frequently attracts people who are looking for just you know, titles and and ego stroking and and all of that solipsism, as you said, it's already highly enticing for people who let's uh you know haven't done that well with everybody else. They can go into these this subgenre of of uh, spiritual culture and and you know become an archmage in a couple of years. I mean, there's the big drama going on right now about young occultists setting themselves up as gurus. That's all over Twitter, right? Um, The whole uh, dot darling Georgina Rose catastrophe. And uh, yeah, there's a problem when you're, you know, two years out of high school and setting yourself up as a guru and, uh, and trying to be a, a gatekeeper against everyone else and using your massive platform to, you know, suppress all the educated and, older people who have been out there doing things for a long time and have a lot to learn and, uh, you know, to share and with the community and to see the rise of, of youngsters who are (laughs) using their, 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 their followings on TikTok or Twitter to, to mob flag and attack, um, you know, older occultists is, is something that, uh, it's only recently coming to light, sort of, that this has been going on for a while. Um, as the chickens have come home to roost, so to speak. It's uh, it's a really tricky issue, man. The uh, you know, if say if people are going to be verified or or get a stamp of approval in some way as a valid tarot reader or something like that. I mean, accreditation is one way of calling it, right? very it's very tricky i mean you, you essentially have to then develop uh standards and in in this kind of in spirituality it's 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 perhaps not possible to create any kind of universal standards and when you're then you're talking about the issue of psychism i mean astrologers barely have accreditation they do uh my mom was the head of the vancouver guild for a long time And, uh, but most of her life, she was never involved in those sort of groups with people. And that didn't really make much difference to her getting clients or anything, or getting recognized for her abilities. But when you go into tarot, which is, you know, a bit more intuitive than astrology is, I think we can all agree on that, um, gauging gauging intuitive and psychic readings from tarot is uh and 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 what kind of things are said as valid and invalid is just i don't know if it's possible like how would you see it being actually possible to put what the the kind of guardrails in the spiritual community that you're sort of proposing
1: well well when i say regulation it's it's not quite accreditation right Um, So regulation, my concern with the regulation is it being hijacked by, by, you know, by technocrats or by, by, you know, uh, people who, who are, you know, into scientism and, and, you know, trying to, trying to stop you, you know, trying to turn it into a, a, A law that enforces logical positivism, right? You you can't make any unverifiable statements, kind of thing. Um, I can see it being hijacked like that. Um, But um, regulation to basically, you know, to to put some kind of some kind of protections that are disclaimers, you know, to force people to use disclaimers that are basically. that that actually are disclaimers and you have to actually mean the disclaimer, right? Because if you say entertainment purposes only, you know, that's the only disclaimer you need to have. And aside from that, it's like, if you have that disclaimer, as far as the tarot community is aware, for the most part, 99.9%, people don't know that they can sue you if you're doing things which are actually blatantly blatantly illegal. Like people don't know that you can't ask health questions, that you can't ask pregnancy questions, that you can't do readings about missing persons. They don't do that. There's, there's no awareness in the community. So I think the first thing is awareness. Um, and then the second thing would be to form, you know, some kind of terror association which has actual standards, because I've been looking at the terror associations and, you know, there's the terror association of the British Isles and it's fair enough, but, um, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with it really, Um, except perhaps that it's only for the British Isles. And if you go on the forum, everyone's kind of, kind of walking on eggshells when they give you advice. Like, they, 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 they're they using the kind of softest language they can to kind of, you know, um, tell you to take responsibility kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know, like, it, I just found, I went on the forum and the, the language was just very kind of, um, it was just very, just milk and toast, it was there's, there's something about milk and toast language, obviously be sensitive in your language and tactful, but there's a way to be tactful. And then there's a way to kind of talk as if you're scared of telling someone the truth kind of thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. So are you saying that you get the impression on that, on the terror association of British Isles site that they're not speaking on the site the way they would speak in a real reading with the bluntness of a real reading and they're just covering their asses.
1: I just, I get the feeling that they are, they're so concerned with, you know, um, kind of kind of the, the luck of, the kind of luck and the kind of status that comes with being seen as an, as an altruistic person, if that makes sense. Like, like, like they give out free readings, right? And they're, they're all volunteers, and non-volunteers get paid, and, and that kind of thing, right? It's entirely voluntary thing, and 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 so on, and um, you know, it's
0: which is the sound outside? It's they must be cleaning the windows or something. I didn't didn't know. Continue. Hopefully, the listeners forgive us
1: yeah so um you know it's all voluntary and it's very kind of um the sort of brand for it is you know you join the association if you're very altruistic and 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 willing to work for free usually and and all that kind of thing which um which is not, it's not all tarot readers. Plenty of tarot readers are actually, you know, they would complain if you give out free readings a lot because, and this was also shared on the Tabby forums, right? They actually don't like it when people undercut their prices, even though it's a spiritual service. And especially, especially these days where everyone's come online, you know, people, some people would say you should never charge for a reading, right? Um, they have that kind of attitude, you know. Other people who are making a lot of money would say it's fine to charge for a reading, <laughs> and then other people who, you know, uh, maybe do it part time or make a normal amount of money w- would say you should be charging a market price and you shouldn't be undercutting the prices because it's a service they're paying for your expertise and you know, you're not charging a premium for the spiritual part of it. You're basically doing a consultation, right? You're, you're doing like basically some mixture of of life coaching or, or you know, gen- general advice or if you're a therapist or if you have other kind of relevant training, whatever that is, you know, um, whatever kind of training it is um, that, that's not quite, clinical, then you're, you're, you're basically being paid for the consultancy. So you should be charging market prices. You shouldn't be giving too many free readings or undercutting the prices, which some people do. Um, so the pricing issue is, is really a, a complex issue because of that. Because some people would consider tarot to be sacred uh, and I would consider tarot to be part of, you know, the, you know, when you're, when you're reading the tarot, as far as I can work out, it's basically, you're reading the astral light, so it's not sacred, because the astral light is not a sacred thing. It's,
0: and it's not, not sacred? A... The astral light?
1: No, the How astral light, was full of illusion. Astral
0: light, not sacred. I'd say it, it's pretty sacred. Let's, let's talk about this. The um, astral
1: light is is the the memory you know the world memory uh, you know of, of the earth sphere right it's in Asia right it's in Asia it's it's you know it's the lower astral I'm talking about the lower astral light where you have like the the uh, you know the collective fantasies hmm. and or oh, I don't know if my understanding of it is making yeah. sense here
0: I can see like kabbalistically everything on every part of the tree is sacred even the klipot are sacred there's nothing that is not sacred like aleph is always aleph keter is in melkut Malchud, as Malkuts in keter and so the astral light is the light of god in in the in hebrew ruach hakodesh, it's it's you know you could you could call it as part of the holy spirit in certain theologies um there's nothing to say that you you can be of you can have is in your spiritual paradigm that the astral light ain't sacred if that's if that's part of your theology that's that's your paradigm um you know it wouldn't be mine and it it doesn't fit properly with kabbalah at all um but kabbalah also doesn't isn't a governing language of reality it's a structural uh, methodology for Interpreting reality and nature and God, so there's definitely room for interpretation. That's that's for sure.
1: Sure. So I mean, my my understanding um, so far is is that you would have the astral realm, which is not sacred, and then above that, you know, cabalistically starting in Bria, you have the higher astral. Which still has form, but it's it's more kind of the spiritual realm, um, and that would probably be sacred. But and then you would have absolute, which is sacred. But I wouldn't consider Asia or or Yatsura to be to be really that sacred, um, because it's it's the physical plane which you're trying to get out of, you're trying to transcend and then you have this psychic plane which interpenetrates the physical plane which anyone can access regardless of their morals, regardless of their spiritual development. So because you can access it regardless of your spiritual development and you can access it no matter who you are just through you know certain practices which don't require you to have any connection to God, any connection to divinity, they just require you to, you know, have, have the natural perception or to acquire the perception through exercises or through willpower or in visualization or whatever. And then, and then you have it no matter who you are. So I don't, I don't consider that sacred basically because of that. Cause I consider sacred stuff to be what is close to a personal
0: God. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. I, Yeah. So my, not my school of thought on it, but these things change and develop as we learn. You, you, I think you might revise that when you look more into, especially understanding of the four worlds in each of the Sephra. Right. When you think of the fact that in each Sephra, there's an entire tree in itself, You have each of the four worlds in every Sephiroth. And so with that model of understanding, well, play with it yourself and see if, uh, see if it gives you any insights or or whatever. That's what these structures are for is to explore and put ourselves into a contemplative or practicing state within them and then see what, what changes for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, think I'll about the that. fact that 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 the up and down thing, for example, that's again structurally uh, heuristic and helps us gain different understandings. But then, it doesn't play out in terms of of kabbalistic practice, for example, in the you know lot literature and and practices of going through the palaces or the uh, you know the the halls. We're going down. We're descending. And if 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 you know if you see if you see yourself as being in Malkuth in the kingdom, even though it includes physical and non-physical elements, just like the natural physical world does more or less, then descending from there into the holy into the holy palaces, well, you're not going up at all, right? So you can see the directionality of the of the theory becomes really problematic when you look at those fundamental and oldest hebrew practices kabbalistic practices of merkava mysticism of the chariot descending down see the up and down thing just falls apart at that point so it's it's interesting i I don't think we'll find an answer here but um that's one of the reasons the kabbalah remains such an enticing series of variety of schools of thought and practice and there's so many different kabbalahs in fact right you got your you got many to pick from
1: yeah and it's great it's great to see your insights because you're really into the scholarly stuff
0: um i'm into the practice stuff too so like it wasn't just doing heck a lot practices and uh, and sort of abalafian practices that led me to realize the significance of the descent but even doing enochian aether working and a lot of other spirit Traveling practices, the sense of up and down, of ascending versus descending, starts to get turned around a bit, and and seem a little less straightforward. And that's what eventually led me away from emanation emanationist thinking altogether. Um, but again, we're each on our own journeys, and one of the great things and beautiful things about this these spiritualities is is how much we get when we explore new aspects of them. That's something people just, I think you might agree with me on this, whether you're practicing tarot or ceremonial magic or whatever your field of interests are, keep expanding, them. keep pushing forward. Don't get locked into just one paradigm and one point of view and decide that it's the truth. And next thing you know, you're creating your own dogmatic church of you, Um, you know, extra territorial in your investigations and and say hey I don't agree with necessarily all the premises of this but what if I suspend my uh, certitude for a moment and and enter into a state of openness and see what gets revealed see if there's some new luminosity that can enlighten my assumptions yeah um, we're creatures of prejudice eh
1: yeah yeah definitely <laughs> Um and um yeah I did I did practice kind of golden dawn stuff for a couple of years as well, but um one of the things one of the things that made me stop was was the issue of Enochian. Like like what are the Enochian entities? I know it's a controversy. <laughs> and,
0: oh really? It's there ain't there angels there. They uh, are what they are, and they were, they always were angels.
1: I mean, I don't think they're angels, to be honest.
0: <laughs> they're definitely angels. If they're not angels, then 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 nothing that Dee was told was true, and the whole thing was a massive deception.
1: I mean, I think you have to consider that possibility um, quite seriously um, because of, know how the how the system was um you know was um how it was communicated
0: well i i i would uh i'd say you're going to have an uphill battle if you're if that's your argument because how it was communicated was using the traditional practices that most of our magic's been communicated so given that he was following on with the tradition of classical ceremonial magic you know it's uh, i think more likely he's a exemplary case of of that technology being employed rather than uh, a failure Hmm. and you definitely have to i mean if if that argument on its own basis doesn't hold water the testimony of of the long line of of practitioners ever after testifying to if nothing else the power and effectiveness of that system of angelic magic right it's just one of the most Um, most popular and powerful tools ever after
1: but i mean if you if you were to you know get proper control over nature's spirits, you'd be able to get you know the same phenomena you know physical phenomena of of creating rainstorms or whatever as you do with Enochian. so it i do not see i mean unless you can give me an example of what an anookian entity supposed angel can do that a nature spirit cannot do i don't see why they're not just basically nature spirits considering how they uh, so elemental.
0: Well, an angel could be a nature spirit.
1: I don't think so.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, categorically. This is attested, like in the in the in the tradition. Really? Yeah, because angels are just spirits. Angels, all angels are spirits.
1: Yeah, but I. My understanding is that an angel is, like, theologically quite different to to a spirit.
0: No, no, that's that's actually incorrect. Even in even in the crazy dogma of the Roman Catholic Church, that's not correct. Um, it the angels are spirits; they're just spirits. And an angel is usually given the title of angel when it's tasked with being a, a messenger of of some sort and playing some sort of uh you know hmm, what's the word yeah well they're messengers they they're spirits with on a mission from god and their missions are usually quite specific and tied to very specific things so for example the the uh only Enochian beings that you might say aren't fully aren't quite angels are probably the cacodemons demons who are some of the the most simple spirits because they're formed of the least amount of Enochian letters and in and summoned by reversing the directions of other angelic spirits from the tablets and you know you could argue maybe those aren't quite so angelic and a bit more chthonic but but all angels are spirits by definition, for sure. That's 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 something that's never been even debated in the entirety of the Western occult tradition.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's actually a it is a major paradigm shift when you realize that angels are just other spiritual creatures. And because the this Enochian system comes from the angels gabriel and Raphael and mikhail and oriel like that's who delivered the enochian system from these archangels and they are in the they are even in the enochian system at, emanated down in lower forms of their spiritual being. because the idea is archangels are vast right and can manifest in many lower forms and so all of those angels appear under different names like oriel is a form, the, the Enochian Heptarchiel king of kings, Karmara, is a form of Oriel. And Ave, I believe, is a form of Raphael. So these Enochian beings are forms of, or aspects of the archangels themselves. A lot of them, are. not all of them, just the major ones.
1: Okay, well.
0: Yeah, a little bit of Enochian study can do uh, more harm than good. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a lot to be uh, gleaned when you go to the diaries themselves and really look at the stuff that was not published in a lot of secondary literature, giving us a very myopic view of Enochian magic for for a very long time. I mean, those Enochian studies are really only getting, you know, building steam right now with with the easy access finally to all the source material that's uh, been unknown and not not very easy to get at
1: yeah and yeah and, and this um, kind of the issue with um, with with regulating you know ma- making sure that you um, that you keep the freedom of of belief and freedom of expression it is it is an issue and i don't i'm not sure how to navigate it but yeah i mean i think i think there is room to to stop people from blatantly taking advantage of of these of these vulnerable people I think there is room to do that and and to to enforce the disclaimers and and to raise awareness as well in the public mind of of you know stuff like like third party readings like you know one of the most common terror questions um, every literally any reader gets no matter what their style of reading is. You know what's this person's feelings for me, and and I don't I don't like that kind of question. Um, it's an invasion of privacy, and it, it's not really it's it's not really helping the person who's asking to to answer that question. Um, so I focus I focus the readings on on what people can do, what's within their control. know within your sphere of control and and if nothing's within your control then you know how can you use one of the tarot archetypes to to gain acceptance or or peace or whatever other quality and that's how i would focus it, um rather than on predictions or um stuff like that although it's not an absolute thing. So, if someone is, um, if someone's in a relationship and they want to improve the relationship, then you can definitely, you know, um, give insights into the other person because it it kind of bounces off. The information kind of uh, ricochets, you know, so that you kind of have to look at the other person to get a full understanding of what's going on and i don't consider that an ethical issue but in terms of just satisfying people's ego a lot of people come to tara expecting their ego to be satisfied really and and i don't consider i don't consider that to be a good thing
0: (laughs) oh yeah i remember one reading i had when i was 12 i i you know um I i did it in a restaurant in the mall and uh it it was a pretty rough reading um it was showing that the person would need some major growth but was very stagnant uh like you know had a little death reverse there like just in in where things were going was just more stagnation and i would you know the guy eventually just said hey look i i can you just tell me everything's going to be good and i'm going to get a lot of money and be happy i was like what and he was like yeah just tell me that i'm like you're everything's going to be good and you're going to get a lot of money and be happy he was like all right thanks thanks (laughs) and gave me my 60 bucks and i was like jesus oh well (laughs) what are you gonna do (laughs) right um the this is a lot of what we're talking about when we talk about this is the legal issues and the in some ways it seems maybe the limitations of the fact that we have no actual laws really encompassing what we're doing. And so we have to, you know, guise it under entertainment. That's the problem. The problem is entertainment's not accurate umbrella to cover what we're doing, right? We're Mm -hmm. still getting wet. um, No matter how we position it, if we're going to actually do our job, because if there's an answer there that you should give someone, you should probably give it to them. And they need to use their own discernment about how seriously to take it and how to apply it in their own life. There's got to be equal responsibility, I think, between the reader and the the questioner. equal spiritual responsibility for the process and the dialogue that's occurring under God.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I think there are, you know, there are times to, um, tell people about fate sometimes occasionally, but for the most part, um, it's about what's within your control and, um, but yeah, but there are fated things, um, especially if people are, you know, um, doing certain spiritual practices, it's going to lead to, to, certain things unfolding so you can predict the future definitely but i just don't think it's usually wise to put the focus onto the future and when yeah. when when i used to when i used to give predictions i started noticing that people who were easy to read very receptive to it you can kind of um you can basically, you can basically like take over that kind of lower self or well, their ego, and if you're an unscrupulous person, you can you can you know convince them that something's going to happen, and then basically hypnotize them yeah. into into making it happen, and then they give you the credit, right, for, yeah. for the. So that was another thing uh, I always try to encourage people to be open, to let me read their energy, but I want them to also really, really, you know, maybe two days after I've said it or a week after I've said it, consider what I said and then decide for themselves so that they so that they take back the, the polarity, so that they take back the control. Otherwise, I'm just hypnotizing someone into doing something basically because hypnosis is very related you know you're basically putting someone into a trance to read their energy and if someone is not is not in at least some kind of light kind of trance you're not going to be able to really pick up
0: on much well not my experience but i can see i can see why You might say that, Um, yeah. If people are closed, closed down, and they can create, you know, barriers and blocks that are hard to read through. Um, But I don't think you have to put people in a trance to to read their energy. I think you just. Well, I'm I'm I'm
1: saying if you if you want to read their energy specifically, if you want to tap into the astral light you're not tapping into their energy it's just the astral light but i tend to read people's auras specifically or you know that those people's specific energy if that makes sense
0: yeah but
1: yeah you can you can still get information about people from the astral light the problem the problem is is you I, i i try to i try to set Criteria to the information, so that so that you're getting, um, so that you're getting a more accurate picture. Um, basically, using using logic um, to try and get an objective picture rather than um, rather than the um, just the just the emotions or the the thoughts that are occurring like 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 let's say you um let let's say you're doing your spread you know you can have a spread where you have positions in the spread which are a solution um or you can just have a spread which is focused on the different kind of solutions and and goes more into more detail into solutions and i think if you if you get someone to when you when you're reading for others it's useful if people if people um open up to you to a certain extent because then you already have the kind of first part of the spread done without having to pull those cards Um, you can just focus on solutions and focus on solving the issue. If you get a good understanding
0: of the issue.
1: Um,
0: yeah, for sure. For sure. It's an it's an interesting balance of course. And this is something um, I've talked a lot with uh, with friends who are just, who focus more on psychic reading uh, than tarot and, and, and stuff like that. And having grown up with so much of all of those different things around me, um, of, of of pure psychism you know practice like psychometry or just taking someone's hand and reading their energy or focusing on clairvoyance and clairsentience and reading their aura on a very immediate level like we were saying versus dipping into the akashic say to pick up what's going on there as a kind of intermediary It's it's a balancing act and when i was younger i would get frustrated with tarot cards sometimes because it just wasn't as direct as I wanted it to be. So I would take my classmates hand and just read their energy and just stream the images and they would be shocked at how many things I was describing that they that I couldn't have known that they were thinking about or wanting to know answers to. Right. And then, of course, I went through my phase of focusing more on what I was seeing in the aura and sensing in their immediate energy and the different layers that would eventually became something I did more if I was just focusing on doing healing or laying on hands afterwards but eventually I you know after five six especially I would focus on an intermediary angel while doing a reading and that's what I still do today primarily is I read the cards themselves and take the cards very seriously and rather than touch the person I'll touch the card and then as far as my own intuitive or psychical connection goes I I'll draw more from the intermediary and governing angel of the reading than I will try and break into the person's sphere of sensation and pick up from them directly. There's a, there's always a problem with other people's energy. If you don't purify it, someone else's energy is always poisonous to you in a way. So you got to purify that. Otherwise you could be walking away with some issues you didn't have before doing the reading for someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah, notice I- that?
1: Yeah, I, I used to, I used to find that, um, when A lot I was of first balls, started.
0: They don't warn you about <laughs> on TikTok.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, um, so but, yeah, I used to have that issue, but, um, what I do is I let, I let the cards, I let the cards, I let the cards kind of, um, showing me that energy they're showing me a kind of reflection of the energy so you're you're observing the energy so you're not you're not actually kind of going into it you're not you're not contaminating yourself in it um you're observing it and the same thing with the astral you don't want you don't want synchronicity coming into your life you know what a lot of people would describe as taking on karma you know like if you're healing someone you have the you have the possibility of of basically taking on that karma right if you're doing hands-on healing or whatever if you do it in a certain way because you're because you're contaminating yourself in that energy but if you're if you're just observing it or if you're using um if you're if you're basically staying outside of the sea of energy you're you're not contaminating yourself so you don't have to worry about karma or or bad synchronicity in that case Um, so it's about observing it and the way i would suggest you do that although it's probably only one way is by attempting to rise to the spiritual because that's above the astral and then you would you would have control over it um, and control over what happens with your willpower and the way you direct your attention. Um, but the issue with a lot of tarot readers, they, you know, they go straight into the energy and it's like diving into an ocean and then they don't purify themselves or or they 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 get lost in in the ocean of the energy and you get you get that issue of picking up psychic dirt and, and experiences and everything.
0: And now, a word from our sponsors. Diving deep into the practices and reality tunnels of the esoteric and the occult, check out Praxis Behind the Obscure podcast, where I interview
1: practicing occultists, do book reviews, and much more. Check us out on YouTube, Red Circle, and many other podcast platforms.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Yeah. Well, we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated. We thank you for listening to those that do, since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private web page by subscribing exclusively to MagicWithoutFears.com for only a couple dollars a week, or six dollars a month, or fifty for the year. It helps a lot. Plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Where were we before I had to, what we've opened up a few interesting little channels in this conversation that I like before we move on. I don't believe in karma, but I have noticed, tell me if this, Makes sense to you? I have noticed <laughs> that what a lot of people call karma is not what I would call karma. It's one of those words, sort of like gnosis or gnostic, which is even more gnosis is not that problematic, but gnostic is a problematic word. Um, you know, definitionally, it's it's a bit broad. It's a bit broader than people would that we'd than we'd like. It would be nice if it really just referred to basically one idea one set of ideas in one group historically but it doesn't right karma is another tricky word so when you talk about taking on someone's karma right like I can I, I if I hear take on someone's energy I can buy that maybe taking on aspects of uh, some sort of imprinted kind of destiny or egregoric karmic pattern or or you know even pathos that might be sort of spiritually transferable it's like when you hang out with your buddies and each of them has their quirks but you know if you hang out with just one of them for a long time you start to take on some of their quirks we've all noticed this right Whether it's just a simple expression or pattern of speech or entire modality sometimes when you really spend a lot of time with, with just one person i mean this happens in romantic relationships too. people become more similar to each other hopefully i think um probably a bad thing if couples when couples grow apart right that's not good um <laughs> it's better to grow together but so what what's going on when you say karma and talking about taking someone's karma maybe
1: yeah well i don't believe in i don't believe in karma either but yeah. but um but um the understanding of karma that that a lot of people have is is like um um what you put out comes back to you and, and, um, you know, kind of a retributive, um, re- yeah, retribution and, um, you know, the, the, the idea that if you're ill, um, cause we were talking about taking on karma from healing, right. If you oh, have yeah, a certain I... physical illness, um, it's it might spirit. be, then it it's might very... be from like misdeeds in a past life. Right and that's now being expressed as a physical illness
0: yeah Josephine Um, McCarthy loves that right like she she loves that one where she's uh she's like she's like she's she curses and like uses a lot of profanity in her books at times which I it's sort of refreshing it's um you know especially around the spiritual trend to say that people who are ill or have chronic illnesses or who get sick are uh you know are failing spiritually it's a sign that they're not they're not focusing on wellness mentally enough or they're not you know that there's something wrong with their soul because of their physical ailments and she's just like that's bullshit people get sick it's part of life what the fuck is your fucking problem you stupid fuck <laughs> like that's literally a quote from her book yeah not true but you know you get the idea <laughs> um I, but you know it, she it's it's nice to have that's that is refreshing i can see why people do praise her so much because it is you know that that whole thing where where spiritual communities exile someone because they get ill and therefore that's proof that 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 it's they'd rather it be proof that something's wrong with you than evidence that the law of attraction might be bullshit sure and um
1: yeah, I mean I I think if you're I, I think it's tricky, but I think if you're if you're going to assume reincarnation and kind of cause and effect in a way that goes that goes beyond ways we can understand, then then you could potentially make the argument without it actually being a victim blame that someone has um, become ill because of past life actions. I don't think you can totally dismiss that as victim blaming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the original uh, Hindu caste system origin of karma is probably the most toxic version of it, right? Like the reason you're a poor homeless bum with no food is because you did something wrong in your past life and the key to maybe getting to move up the caste system in the next life is to just placidly accept your low low station in life and if you do good with that get rewarded in the next life and maybe one day you'll be a brahmin like me like that it's so like to not look i don't know how anyone can look at that these days and not just see like the political machinations all over it right like It so obviously was instituted to keep poor people down and homeless and have them just be content with their, their, the misery of their life.
1: Right. It's, it's very, it's a very unappealing idea, but, but if you think about it in terms of, in terms of kind of evolution and and it takes thousands of lifetimes to, to um, to reach enlightenment and you have to learn material lessons it it, it kind of it, it, it allows you to see it in a perspective that that suddenly it's not necessarily political machinations although it may you may not agree with the idea you can see you can see how it could be a legitimate point of view at least <laughs>
0: Could it be a legitimate political point of view
1: huh. no not not political point of view but but kind of spiritual explanation of because if you consider that that i don't i'm i don't know. i don't even i don't even want to do the devil's advocate because i don't necessarily agree with the idea right but but i i can if I, if I, if you were to give me enough time to to write down the devil's advocate, I could make a strong devil's advocate case for for why it is actually a legitimate idea and why it would actually be fair, ultimately, because we're looking at it from the perspective, from the physical perspective of it's this lifetime. This is what is happening to you this lifetime, but. If you, if you, if you hold the physical perspective and then look at the spiritual perspective, you can, you can see it from a different angle. And this is another thing that kind of new ages get wrong when, where they confuse the. Sorry about that. Okay. Okay. So. um, I know you were on a
0: roll.
1: Yeah. Um. This is another thing that New ages get wrong, where you know there are a lot of um, Neo-Vedantic, you know, teachers, you know, claiming to be spiritually enlightened, um, and and it was it was called out by the, uh, I think it's Adva Vedanta teachers or you know the the original the kind of Indian teachers of it, right? The actual Vedic teachers who who are um, who are saying you have to differentiate between the ultimate reality, and they have three levels for it, but I'll just use two levels. You have the physical perspective, and then you have the spiritual perspective. And when you look at pain from the spiritual perspective, you don't have to discount the physical perspective. You can say, yes, it's really bad that people are sick and and so on, But, but the, the spiritual perspective is ultimately over thousands of lifetimes, whatever argument, you know, they want to make. And it's from a, it's from a spiritual perspective. It's not, it's not discounting the, um, the genuine pain and, and you, it's definitely misplaced to then, to then let go of compassion and everything else when you are, um, when you're seeing the, the suffering in the physical, but but in terms of spiritual, um, in terms of spiritual progress, it could be argued, and it's a disagreeable argument, but it could be argued from that kind of philosophy that that um, that it does actually suggest something about your ultimate progress in the thousands of incarnations.
0: Do you believe in reincarnation? Yeah. How do you think it works?
1: Uh, I don't know, but I I believe in it basically because I feel like I was a woman in a past life and and I, I definitely feel like I had a past life, and I, and there's certain kind of issues related to 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 motherhood and, and having children and fam- basically family, cancerian stuff. Um, and I feel like I'm out of place in a male body, but I also feel like I have a kind of duty to stay in a male body. Um, but yeah, um, but. But yeah, that I don't know. I don't know how reincarnation works, but I do believe in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting problem, right? Because if it was true, it would mean all the religions and spiritualities that believe in the uh, you know transmigration of the soul, I guess, to heaven or spiritual realms, or like Christians uh, in the original church believed in the resurrection not not in the immortality of the spirit but in the resurrection of the physical body Um, you know christians only adapted the immortality of the spirit through greek hellenism and that came that was not how it was originally Um, and so if reincarnation if we leapfrog through time and lives then that would mean they're all wrong right and they might be wrong i'm more of the opinion that reincarnation is wrong but i could be wrong you know um and i because there's other explanations for past life memories and stuff like that i would be inclined to think it's more the result of uh, inability for us to understand the way you know of the panpsychist psychist world psychic worldview or the naturalist worldview of of spirits and uh, sort of dimensionality of worlds you know what i mean like If there's memories if there's a spirit out there from a certain time we can we could get their spirits or like the holocaust survivors reincarnated today with memories of the holocaust studied by the hasidic rabbi yonas Gershom Shon, Yonassin Shon, Yonassin gershon not not gershon i confused those names yonas Gershom gershon has studied spent his life studying holocaust reincarnated souls from the holocaust He's a Californian, but he was teaching me Kabbalah in '96 in Vienna, and I always thought that was a really fascinating thing to study, right? But then eventually, I, I when I started to question reincarnation, I was like, well, then how would how would these people have memories of the Holocaust? And I started to then look into ideas that I had not believed held any water, like uh, panpsychism and and ideas of 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 spirits actually just feeding ideas to human souls especially you could imagine that if a surviving ghost or spirit or some sort of psychic memory or imprint from a holocaust victim was floating out there and wanted to and was like troubled and wanted to convey its its the horrors of its memory on something it would probably be to a younger person or someone open enough psychically to absorb that as a memory as what would seem like a memory that's an explanation I discovered. I was like, yeah, and I'm, I tend more towards that, that paradigm these days than the, the leapfrog through time, one of souls. But again, of course, I could be wrong. We, we really we don't have the answers yet, which is what makes this all so fascinating. Yeah,
1: and yeah, with the recovery of past life memories, you have to get into a receptive state, even if you... That always sounds you...
0: super sketchy.
1: Right. Even if you go to like like Turkey and, and you're at a certain monument or you're at a certain place in Turkey that you felt like you were drawn to. Uh, and you know, that could be an astral thing. It could be something from the astral light. Um, um and you know, you have to be receptive. So it it certainly um it's an issue with past lives because even if you verify it historically you haven't verified the occult side of it you've just verified it um in terms of like actual events so
0: right that's a big example that gets brought up a lot and uh i'd love to ask there's a few people i'd like to talk to about it nick farrell's one of them he's he's he's, he used to have similar to me uh certain uh he's changed his beliefs over time in similar way to me so that would be interesting to talk about um he talks about the famous examples of of victims of murder of course and other crimes who then have memories as young children and then they're like this is where i was killed they go find a body there you got to admit that's some of the strongest evidence we have for something spooky going on right Mm. but it could be explained by things other than reincarnation Mm. (laughs) not not none of those things are any more beloved by science by hard science right (laughs) science doesn't like any of these things um but they do require answers in my opinion like how how would how would a young kid have memories of some brutal crime that had been committed five years earlier before they were born and then they go find an actual body, based on those. You know, the, there's there's a few of these accounts out there, I believe, and there's probably a bunch more that just were never investigated to completion, right? What's your What's your take? Yeah,
1: I think you would you would have to you would have to at least posit some kind of some kind of um, way of understanding the 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 astral realm and the spiritual realms um, in such a way that reincarnation was the only reasonable explanation for for these memories occurring. You would have to somehow classify the nature of the astral in such a way that, that in this particular case, it can't be a thought form because thought forms work like this or that. And and you can then discount it logically, right? Um, you'd, have to, you'd have to do that. But otherwise, yeah, there, there's other explanations and you simply have no idea. There's no way to verify.
0: Do you have any guesses, educated guesses, intuitive guesses on which of the sciences might be the first to start to really hammer in this a nail in any of these areas, like, you know, get get that first bit tapped into the wood, because it feels like right now that there, there isn't much. There isn't much headway in the hard sciences that could, in, in my opinion, will eventually acknowledge the aspects of this stuff that are real. Just like, you know, we used to not know about invisible forces at all, and now then we figured out magnetism. That was a simple one, right? Um, but for a long time we didn't know what magnetism was we just thought it was another magical thing do you think it will be like neuro neurocognitive sciences or physics or biology or what do you think might make the first breakthrough because you seem to read from a lot of different sources that's why i really like that about you you seem to yeah not mind uh looking at a wide range of things that's a cool good good quality to have
1: yeah i always i always try to look at both sides and I've, i find that a lot of the like christian apologetics is actually really good for getting a cool knowledge about the astral like like how they've how how those apologists have done investigations into mediumship and basically and showed how it's deceptive and and I'm talking about passive mediumship, where you get into a trance and and stuff. Um, You know, I'm very, I'm quite against mediumship um, because of how passive it is. You've heard me talk about, you know, know, controlling the experience and willpower. So I I don't think being passive is a good idea when you're tapping into things which you can't see, right? Um, But,
0: um, uh, what was the question? Um, yeah, if I was just curious if you had any guesses on which science m- might make the first headway into any of these things when eventually it does occur. We probably really? don't have a name for some of the stuff that will exist in the future or fields of study that will exist, but. You know, we're moving forward, like uh, learning a lot um, pretty quickly still.
1: Oh, yeah. So which science?
0: Um, physics, really. Um, it's got to be physics, hey? Yeah. Yeah. That's my suspicion, too, because everything like, you know, no- neuroscience and all these things they are locked so strongly in their frameworks. You see this even in the arts, like people in, in literature or religious studies or philosophy or psychology, when they try and do, for example, what I did, which was theology, they usually fall apart because they're not actually familiar with the technical language or the extent of study done in areas, which in their fields looks quite small, relatively. Like when when a philosophy professor, for example, looks at mysticism, they see very little because they're not aware of of the, the body of work that's been done in the, if you, when you dive into the technical depths of mystical theology, for example, which is there's been just as much research and writing done in that field as in most fields, except if you're not in that field, you just don't realize it. Just like, you know, a neuroscientist probably is unaware of a lot of the stuff going on in physics and vice versa, right? So all of yeah. these. We've compartmentalized our fields of study and disciplines to the extent that we're actually often doing more harm than good these days and that's been being slowly realized like you know even when i was starting university 22 years ago 23 years ago um there was a you know there's big push for interdisciplinary and and cross-disciplinary study and i think that's increasing hopefully it's increasing yeah
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely gonna be trying to be a polymath, but um, I am
0: the start only on first, mastering one thing first, eh?
1: I'm the only person in my generation, you know, who, who I've seen who is who is deliberately attempting through meta learning strategy and, and so on to to actually you know become a polymath. It's very rare. It's very rare. Um, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be many polymaths in my generation. Um, I think, I think there might be people, you know, I, I know, I know a couple of geniuses. I've met a couple of actual geniuses, um, who I've been friends with and, and, you know, they are, they might end up, you know, kind of the head of organizations and having, you know, That they can kind of um, bring together experts from different fields, right, and they won't have direct expertise in those fields, but they'll be able to oversee it, kind of like how Bill Gates, he's not a qualified medical professional, but he's the head of the WHO and he can run it, he is capable of running it, despite how people use that as an argument against him because he has the management skills right so he's able to run it because he's getting the um he's getting the advice from the professionals and then he's making the decisions based on the advice from multiple professionals as long as he's literate in the in the terminology i think he's qualified to be in that managerial position i don't think you have to put a medical professional in that position and i think the same thing with the geniuses of of my generation it's really going to be you're taking you're running some kind of organization you're taking people from multiple fields which are somewhat interconnected and that's how you would do it i don't think you would really have basically anyone who has the actual expertise to a very high level in both philosophy and mathematics or both whatever it is that's slightly connected.
0: Well you've, you've uh, just started at a university program in psychology, correctly? Correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely wish you well on that journey. I think the longer you spend getting to know people in the university world you'll you'll be surprised how many polymaths you do meet and certainly genius doesn't equate to being uh, applying it, you know, just because your genius level, which is an IQ thing, doesn't mean you apply it. There's nothing more common, as they say, than, than, a, than a, you know, a genius homeless person. I mean, it's probably not literally true, but, you know, one thing does not necessitate always another. And just like Bill Gates might be qualified to have the managerial skill to manage doctors, doesn't mean he should be managing doctors. I mean, there should be ethical questions like, is this person a good person or do they use this information to, you know, I don't know, kill people, which in my opinion is what he primarily uses it for. It's a, I think he's a deeply, deeply evil and misanthropic human being. So is he capable of doing what he's doing? Clearly. Should he be? Probably not, but that's just my opinion. And it doesn't really, uh, (laughs) we don't need to get into Bill Gates. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, parallel testing um, as a thing coming out with with health, at least in Europe, it's coming out, it'll probably be in America as well, because it's, it's a Bill Gates initiative, um, where they're going to be bringing out, I think it's mainly vaccines, but it might be other drugs as well, um, in 100 days, and they're going to do parallel testing on the clinical trials. um, And there's an issue there in terms of scientific rigor because you you are um you're you're assuming that because you've tested a, a specific part once, that this part in combination with all the other parts, no matter which combination you put it in, is going to have the same effect. You're you're not you're not controlling for um, how you arrange the pieces, basically. And you're supposed to control for that in science as far as I understand. So I don't know how he managed to get that through, (laughs) but
0: I like how perspectival you are, brother. I, I I appreciate the fact that you can, we can, uh, yes, you, uh, it's, it's a really good thing to see that you're willing to let your mind do what it does. Yeah. How the how the hell did he, (laughs) like I said, I don't think we need to talk about that guy anymore. He's uh. People can do their own uh, research on Bill Gates, but yeah, I'm, I just, after what we've been through the last couple of years, it's just, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's a, a dumbfounding time to live in. But one of the nice things is we can be occultists and, and not get persecuted. So that's fun. I'm enjoying that. You're probably enjoying that too, eh?
1: Yeah, my generation definitely enjoying it. You
0: guys are <laughs> lucking out off all our hard work to get to do the serious scholarship and research and develop uh, more university accreditation like a lot of us occultists have done and to the extent that now you can be in university and talk, mention tarot instead of the teacher laughing at you like they did in my day they'd be like oh you know there's a conference on renaissance blah 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 coming up you could do a paper on that and submit it you know they didn't say that back in back in 2000 you know it was uh it was a different time I remember even in grad school asking about angels, like probably got me on the, on the, on the, on the, on a list or something as as like, you know, a student to be, be worried about if they were had sufficient capacity for reason. Um,
1: uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Georgina, Georg, Georgina, um, that darling. Um, yeah. Elia. She's under um,
0: fire now. And I don't agree with really the the dogpiling honor or or the the uh, guilt by association arguments that I've seen made but I do I think they're missing the more substantive points which is like stealing other occultists work and and you know targeting other people and sending your mob after them it's just not cool stealing others work or if you have tons of followers sending them out to bully people to suicide that's not cool I don't know that much about her but I've seen her
1: YouTube stuff I don't use any social media yeah she's
0: an influencer right she's a big influencer and so you know we should judge influencers on how they use their influence because they're not influencers because they're educated or smart or or, you know good with have it you know because they have a solid knowledge base or anything that's not what makes the qualification what makes you an influencer is having influence over a a large quantity of people that's your only qualification so we should judge those people on how they use that influence is it nefarious to rob and abuse other people or is it to uphold others in the community and and encourage dialogue and learning rather than theft and, and cancellation.
1: Well, I, I do, I've listened to some of her, um, podcasts. I find a lot of her opinions are politically charged and a product of her generation rather than, rather than, um, um, a kind of product of the culture that she lives in and her generation and, and um you know which part of the united states she lives in and 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 all of that kind of, it's a product of her environment rather than a product of necess- of you know not necessarily a product of her own critical faculties and and considerations on the topics that she's talking about and um that's probably because the, the podcast is quite casual and she's basically having a casual conversation with, with, with some of her, you know, occultist friends and, and that kind of probably sets the tone for it rather than a more, um, um, considered open-ended philosophical exploration of, of the issue. It's more like basically trying to mentor the, the, the teenage generation or the early 20s who are new to occultism and who need guidance away from, from fantasy or, or the realm of utter fantasy into something that is, you know, at least somewhat, at least something that you can do without ruining your life kind of thing. So I, I guess that's probably what it is, I would, I would assume.
0: Yeah, well, you know, people can go see all the, the, the dumpster fire on Twitter anytime if they want. But um, yeah, what, what I took issue with, what, what the red flag was to me, despite, you know, hearing the mistreatment of other people was like, yeah, so she was scheduled to come on my podcast, canceled the minute it was meant to start, messaged me, said, let's reschedule. And it was one of those, yeah, fake reschedules, right? And I was like, okay, whatever that happens too bad. I was excited to learn about what it's like from her to come into Thelema and practice, be a young Thelemic practitioner in a like outside of OTO and the training systems that exist, AA, OTO, that sort of stuff, like independently come at it and stay on your own. That to me, I thought would have been an interesting conversation. I assumed she'd be interested to be able to actually ask like, you know, questions about, you know, the, some of the shared ritual tradition between OTO and AA and the GD because obviously they're intimately linked, though radically different in their manifestations and applications, which is often misunderstood and therefore a very interesting area to discuss between practitioners of those variations, right? Um, and so I thought it would have been a great, great interview. Um, she then went off, though, and did my buddy's podcast, which is which is good because, you know, he got to deal with her. The thing that rubbed me the wrong way is after canceling on me the, the very last minute, she then put out a podcast on the Golden Dawn, which is something I'm a scholar of. And in it just made shit up. It's like, oh, I don't actually have any real knowledge about this. So I'm just going to guess and talk like I'm an expert. So that's what me because it's like can you imagine if I like canceled on Steven's Dr. Steven Skinner having him on my podcast on the very last minute and then recorded an episode where I just talked about grimoires and made shit up like used like very select knowledge that I had and filled in the blanks with extrapolations and guesswork but presented it like an authority he'd probably be like bloody hell what why would he do this right <laughs> he's not English but he's Australian but what, what you sound sort of English he's just old um god bless you Steven Skinner he is coming on the podcast you know I've keep forgetting to e- I keep not emailing him back I gotta fucking fix that anyway um yeah that, it's douchey right it's douchey it makes you look like a total chump and a loser and uh, yeah I lost all respect for after after doing that sort of thing it's like <sighs> what do you what do you want what do what do you, you, you want to what do you want how how are you going to expect people to take you as an expert if you bamboozle them in that way it's just it's doesn't it's not gonna hold up and who might think it might hold up maybe a 21 year old or 20 year old maybe but not a smart 20 year old or smart 21 year old I didn't I I was a young teacher the golden dawn star had me start teaching people when I was 17 right but it wasn't because I had was an influencer and was popular it was because I was competent and capable, and that was attested to by the hundreds of people ahead of me in the order who had observed me and witnessed my education and growth for the last, for the two years prior to that, right? It was a community of people that comes together and says, yeah, you're, you're teaching now. We want to learn from you. And that's a very different kind of thing than this new kind of teacher slash influencer community that we see rising up, which can have its strengths, but boy, can it also have its weaknesses. And I think a lot of the smarter smarter people of that generation, as you were saying, the reason we're not hearing from them at all is because, like you, they're probably doing what most smart people do, which is going and getting some fucking degrees or educations in whether it's in mainstream universities or alternative schools. However, they're doing it with mentors like you are. They're the people of that at her age that are probably the, the ones we want to hear from, are busy getting their education done and learning and growing like you know that's that's the way to do it and then we'll hear from them in like five ten years when they start actually writing books um that actually mean something and bringing their youthful perspectives to light in dialogue with his, the historical knowledge we've already accumulated this whole new movement so many people just message me all the time say or crit- critique what a, my approach to things saying we don't need books anymore you know the knowledge of the past is a is useless completely useless it's like no wonder that there's if there's such a totalitarian and authoritarian generation because they literally don't know what's happened previously in history you know which is a great way to just run in circles while you attempt to rewrite plato because you can't be bothered to read him so i'd rather yeah Aristotle
1: more yeah and one of the reasons why I don't have many many of my videos up is because I'm learning all the time and I might make a video and I had a lot of information which isn't usually available so I had good information but then I learned something new and I realized well there's a mistake in that video and then three months later maybe there's three mistakes in the video
0: <laughs> okay. uh,
1: and 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 suddenly you know two years later you you made this video and you're you look back and you're laughing at yourself because even though you did decent research it wasn't the best research and you're a way better researcher now and you know more about you know scholarly you know how to spot rhetoric and scholarly research and archives and and online like archives and libraries and and you know you know a lot better how to do it so you so you delete the video because it was basically misinformation, but it wasn't deliberate it was just and 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 it's so it's a it's a humility thing it's like I was wrong and I don't want to mislead any more people and so if if you're an influencer and you're trying to rack up your views and you're and you're making extrapolations and, and and inserting your political opinions into things and and you're a product of your times and your generation rather than a product of of what works philosophically and and what the actual information that we have now is, then you are, you you know, it's, it's, it's guaranteed that you're going to be putting out false information and a lot of it over time. And I think really you would have to have some procedure in place to correct that. And that's one of the issues I'm working out right now with what I want to do. You know, I want to make high quality content with tarot but let's say I make a video on the history of the tarot. Um, I have to go, I would have to do like, I'm a fast researcher, but I would have to do probably a few years of research, even, even as a fast researcher, even if I was to work on it basically for most of my time, for most of the time that I have in order to find out the history of the tower, and that would be one video and and
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it's why scholars break things into very small very specific pieces right
1: yeah I mean I'm not I'm not a scholar um I don't know I'm learning I'm learning how yeah. to write scientifically now and 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 yeah i'm learning i'm learning a lot about academia now um because
0: yeah well you're 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 in the practice of scholarship the fact that you put out a bunch of videos then took them down because you found too many mistakes in them that's some hardcore self-scholarship there so don't don't sell yourself short that is that's like most people wouldn't do that they would just put out additional videos that correct things that they've learned since then and thus build their catalog online or whatever um the fact that you're willing to be so self-critical as to remove stuff that is the practice of of good scholarship at play so keep going with it man and you know then don't you know we're all, we all got to go through cocoon phases where we you know re-educate ourselves in certain areas and improve our knowledge and stuff I mean because things change all the time like the third edition of this book just came out Uh, magic in the middle uh, middle ages and it's it's got huge updates from the previous editions because so much has been learned in the last 30 years that the field almost doesn't look anything like it did when i started in it um and you got to update your knowledge you got to keep learning and correct yourself yeah so um... sounds like you're doing well
1: yeah, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to work out how to how to basically mentor people in tarot uh, in a in a non-dogmatic way that that also like I say gets them out of um, believing that everything that happens in terms of synchronicity is is you know from from some divine source because it's a big issue in in the community so i'm brushing up on my mentorship skills because i did i did mentorship a few years ago but that was in that was in basically basically esports so that i wasn't quite a pro gamer i was i was doing like small time competitions nothing major but but you know competitive at a competitive level right where you're winning money and um, you know, I was I was teaching people in that, but that is people have to have they have to already be at a certain skill level for you to be teaching someone about that, right? They already have to be a competitive gamer somewhat, right? They don't have to be part of Phase Clan, but but right, but they they have to be at least somewhat competent. But when you're teaching people tarot it's a niche thing but most people are completely new to it so you have to find a way to 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 kind of explain things in a simple way explain things in a coherent way and not assume that people um know everything that you're talking about and and you know really have to break it down to a beginner level because i've had teachers you know, my computer science teacher, she is, she was very good engineer and computer scientist, but you ask her, you ask her to explain something, she comes over to the computer, takes the keyboard away from you, and then, and then types in the code that, that you need to, that you need to have to answer the question or to solve the problem, and then doesn't it bother explaining, you know what I mean, and, and, and then she wonders why, why she doesn't get many passes in her class. It's like, because you're not actually a teacher, you're an engineer who should have gone into the actual engineering, not the teaching side of it. Cause you don't know how to teach.
0: Yeah. Pedagogy is a real thing. eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I, my famous example is, is always languages. I was, I'm still not, not, naturally gifted with languages but i i'm i'm capable in seven because i love them and i work my butt off on them but i've i got a lot of friends who put in a fraction of the effort i put in and just get miles ahead of me it's it's crazy but i do love them therefore i i keep keep at it you know and i keep improving bit by bit different languages And I never really learned French 10 years of being force fed French in Canadian school from grade one to grade 10. And then they let me test out. So I didn't have to do it anymore. So I did pass till grade 10 French, but it was bullshit. And I I barely learned any of it. And the teachers were just people that spoke French, whether they were from Quebec or from France, they just spoke French. They had I found out later that none of them had any education in teaching whatsoever. And if, and it felt like that in class, though, of course, as a kid, you don't know what you don't know. So you're just like, I guess I'm stupid because this doesn't this is it's not sticking. And they're just, the teacher makes me feel like garbage in class every day. It's just like, you know, I would dread them. I would dread French class. But then in grad school, you had two options for learning biblical Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. You, you could do classes every week for two years and pass the master's level test right for, for your masters or you could do a one month intensive like 8am to 6pm in class every day reading till 1am and then reading all and studying all weekend for 30 days and you would take the same test as the people who studied it for 3 hours a week one for 2 years and the people who did the 2 years and 3 hours a week a lot of some of them would actually fail that test the people who did the 30 day intensive rarely was there any failures in that test from that test, even though it was the same test. And of course, since, you know, if you're using it actively after that, it just gets better and better. And so when I learned Hebrew in 30 days, I was like, Oh, I'm not incompetent at languages. I just literally never had a French teacher that knew anything about teaching whatsoever. They were just, here's a, here's a conjugation chart. Let's just go over it. How does that apply to some, uh, the structure of syntax? They don't know how to, how to, transfer that over when i started actually reading grammar books like for the irish language and other languages i was like oh there's like an actual way that languages are taught so that we learn them well and then there's the way that our french teachers tried to teach them to us which was more like just like fucking abuse with an accent so yeah. teaching skills matters a lot and i hope that's something that we don't forget as a society you know that's really popular to uh, renounce all university education these days which i think is a big mistake i'm not sure who's gonna make toasters and stuff like that because as the famous example goes one one person can't can't make a toaster if you just if you just go into nature you're shit out of luck you're not going to be able to make one right you you don't even have the skills to create one component part probably but someone out there does, and I'm pretty sure that most of them learn that shit in universities or specialized trade schools. So hopefully we don't completely throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to education over the next 50 years. Yeah. and um, Yeah. I think psychology is a great place to start. I know it's easy to shit on it. And a lot of people do, but um, I focused a lot on psychoanalytic philosophy, which is highly integrated with psychology, of course. Though I don't really know psychology that well, um, but psychology touches on so many different things. It's very easy to to uh, I think transition into other specialties and achieve your goal of being a polymath, dude. If that's what you want to be, titles matter so much to uh, your generation, eh? Why do you think that is? You've noticed this, right? I'm not. I'm not talking out of my ass here. Yeah, titles. Well. What do you um, think is up with the, the younger generation's obsession with titles? Do you think something's going on there? Hmm.
1: Well I think it's it's probably it's probably this is probably a common trope but it, it's probably something like trying to find meaning when when people are no longer religious um is what i would guess immediately um because a lot of people are, are very atheistic these days and even if they get into occultism they may still be very atheistic and and um even if they're spiritual, they're often spiritual in opposition to to religious conduct uh, uh, at least my generation, unless they're so like going back to the Latin Catholic masses, but um and becoming like very um traditional um but but I would say. I don't really know, but I'm guessing, but I think it's probably something like trying to find an identity. Um, because I don't know, let's say, let's say you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You we're at the point in Western society now where my generation's growing up with with all of the needs satisfied. What they're trying to do is basically put the cap onto the pyramid um, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and that is basically the self-actualization part. And that's probably why the self-development is so ingrained in popular culture. I would say, hmm. <laughs> because all of your needs are met, so it's like now you can now you can go off and and claim the law of attraction is a thing and and try and climb the corporate hierarchy, or, or not even climb the corporate hierarchy, but, you know, climb the YouTube hierarchy or the social media or online business hierarchy, or, or, and you can live in this world where, where you are, you are, you know, there are, there are professionals in older generations working in the background, propping up this very, um, very delicate system which needs people to run it, but if you're if you're in a certain section of the population, you're completely oblivious to to everything that goes on in the background to keep society running. So it can it can be kind of easy to um, to forget how how things are run and and that. So you end up you end up in this kind of position of just exploring what your identity is and and assuming that individuality overtakes overtakes everything, really. I think it's a narcissism.
0: Well, fingers crossed that we can uh, improve things with our efforts and be leaders to each other right you know none of us are perfect and uh hopefully we can be humble enough to help each other improve without (laughs) you know destroying society in the in the process seems like we're more trying to destroy our societies but i i have i have hope maybe not short-term hope but long-term hope um i'll probably include uh your bested advice for new and experienced tarot readers in the, the, the bonus segment on for my Patreon. So for people who want go check out my Patreon hermetic podcast, patreon.com. Forward slash hermetic Podcast. There you go. And catch uh, catch this advice. Um, and thanks so much for being here and uh, doing this with me. Um, I'm really glad I talked to you. You're very, thoughtful and careful. It seems like you think carefully um, as well, and, but aren't afraid to have your convictions. And yet you're still open to new information or opposing information, some of which I've, you know, done, gone at, uh, you know, at it with you on this. And, and it's just, I'm really glad we talked. This was, a, this was quite a surprise and, and delight. I think it was someone who recommended you in the comments of some video somewhere online or something, right? You sent me a screenshot of it, but yeah. Um, of course, I'm always interested in talking with just new random people that, that I, I think not all podcasts do that sort of thing. And I, that's one of the things I think that is unique about mine is I just will, have someone, I have no idea what to expect. And, uh, and I'm really glad that, uh, I got to get to know you a bit. All right. Well, thank you for thank you for
1: having me on.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, man. Um, any any I know you're. It's probably getting to your bedtime in there in England. Any uh, question? You any questions you want to ask me before I go?
1: Uh, do you have any? Um, it's probably oversimplifying it, but do you have any um, resources to learn about uh, the nature of Angels, uh, you know, angelology and um, (laughs) Anukia.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's really true what what the 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 so called deep purists say um, that you should start with the diaries. Um, Now, if you want to just dive into practice, some any secondary literature will give you some methodology of working. Scott Stenwick's books are an excellent way if you want to just dive into methodology. He, He he incorporates guidance for the christian as well as alternative prayers for the thelemic practitioner which is what he is so it's always shocking that i recommend him so highly but i do because i it's a really good way to just dive into practice but if you want to understand the worldview of d you've got to read the scholarship um anything from uh deborah harkness's uh academic work on d to the other academic work on d Uh, Egil Aspram's arguing with angels it's it's some of some of his points have been recently critiqued but there's a lot of scholarship and if you read that in contrast with the diaries like the the big Kevin Klein version that's come out that's a good place to start or Joseph Peterson's five books of mystery show you the 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 Libri uh Mysteriorum the five books of mystery that D uh had lost for years, and yeah, that's a good place for the Enochian stuff. As far as angels in themselves, I mean, everything from 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 the Catholic Catechism to Damien Eccles' Angels and Archangels books gives their thoughts on on the historical literature, but probably if you want to understand. How angels interact from a magical point of view, studying the grimoires, especially now that we have them all so well annotated and debated by people like Joseph H. Peterson and and uh, and Stephen Skinner and Jake Stratton Kent. I mean, you know, Jake Stratton Kent. You wanna you wanna you wanna revise your views on angels, demons, and spirits. Read some of his work, either Pandemonicum or Geosophia. That's some very you know, he's really sort of revolutionized the nuances of our understanding in those realms. And I like the practitioners too, like, you know, the, the accounts given of Goetic spirits by, uh, uh, by John R. King, King III. Um, I disagree with many of his views, um, but not necessarily with the veracity of his experiences. Ash and Shasan's gateways through stone and circle, uh, an amazing testament of years of, of working with spirits through the Tritinian method and other methods. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunately there's not a single book to read on these things. You know, there's just, there's just not, um, I haven't actually read Claire Fanger's uh, invoking angels, good academic work though. I did get to have lunch with her and Jocelyn Godwin years ago. Um, I haven't read her book yet. Some of the academic ones, they really add up in price. But yeah, it's, it's a lifelong study. I mean, I thought I knew so much when I completed my Golden Dawn education in, in, the, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. And then I went to grad school and did a master's in divinity at UBC and, and, and realized that I knew nothing. And every step along the way, I realized I keep knowing less and less. And that's the way it should be. You know, mm-hmm. um, You know, less and less until I guess you're annihilated in that single (laughs) point of existence. That's not a point at all, but everything and nothing at the same time. Yeah. Um, Shall we end it there? Yeah. All right. Well, really, really good to have you on, on the podcast brother. And uh, yeah, I wish you best of luck with school. And I really think you have a lot to offer the, uh, the uh, young and new readers out there, uh, with your point of view, and I, I hope you keep developing it and and uh, guiding those who are aware they will gain benefits from guidance. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, There's is what's the website you're working on that will be launched in the future? Tell people what that is because you know thousands of people are going to hear this. Uh, TowerApprenticeship.com. All right. And you're in development and uh, you should put a little email sign up placeholder. It says sites under construction. You should, you can do that so that people can at least email, subscribe and get notified when the site's live. I would reckon that would be my advice to you so people can, you know, get in, uh, get word when the word is out.
1: Sure, um, it's it's technically live already. I have some articles on that.
0: Um, oh, really? Uh, when I went there, it said on uh, just today. It was, I don't think it was live, so maybe I went to the wrong link that you sent me. Okay, uh, say the link one uh, more time for people. Tarot apprenticeship. Yeah, that
1: that domain, the domain I sent you, I tarot.net. Um, I got rid of that domain, but okay. the the domain tarotapprenticeship.com. Yeah, it's same site, but just change the domain basically so all right and
0: and and so that's it tarot apprenticeship yeah.com you heard of folks all right go check out Fratter tp's work and uh yeah thanks for coming on hermetic science,